the, um, the very reverend Sir George Adam Smith, those are his legitimate titles, the very reverend Sir George Adam Smith. He was a, he was a Scottish theologian. He was a pastor. He was a college professor and an Old Testament scholar. He was also what is called chaplain in ordinary to King George V, King Edward VIII, King George VI. So that is Queen Elizabeth, our current, not our current queen, the current queen of England, uh, Queen Elizabeth's um, father, uncle, and grandfather. He lived from 1856 to 1942. Sir George Adam Smith. It is said that he was once traveling the Holy Land um, with a guide, so he died in 1942. Israel's not a nation yet, but he was, or not again a nation, not a modern nation. He's traveling the Holy Land with a guide, and he came upon an Arab shepherd with his flock. An Arab, ethnically. Not a Jewish shepherd, not a Christian, but an Arab, an Arab shepherd. And as the two men began to talk, this shepherd showed Sir George the fold where the sheep were kept at night. It was an enclosure that was open to the sky and had four walls and only one way in. When the sheep are in here, said the shepherd, they are perfectly safe. Sir George was surprised. He said, but there is no door. I am the door, replied the shepherd. When the light is gone and the sheep are inside, I lie in that open space. No sheep can go out ever without crossing over my body. And if a wolf tries to come in, my body blocks his path. I am the door. So this morning we're going to continue our regular study of the gospel according to John. And as we do so, we come to the third of Jesus' great I am statements here in John chapter 10. I am. We understand that these statements, as Jesus makes these statements, as he says these words, they are claims of deity. He's claiming for himself the name that God had revealed to Moses all the way back in Exodus chapter 3 when he had said this, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I am Yahweh, Jehovah. And throughout John's gospel, Jesus lays out seven great I am statements that clearly identify Jesus as God and Messiah. It begins back in chapter 6 when he says, I am the bread of life. In chapter 8, he will say, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he says, I am the door. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. Later, he's going to say, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. And finally, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus proclaims. So turn to John chapter 10 if you're not already there. If you're using one of the Bibles in the pocket in front of you there, there should be a few around. It's page 896, I think. 
I want to read just these first nine verses of John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Just just stop and praise God for that. Father, we do praise you for this. We ask that you would give us ears to hear this morning. Help us to understand. Some of the things that Jesus said are tricky and hard to understand sometimes, Lord, but this is so plain. I am the door. Help us to understand and believe and worship. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as we saw last week, as we were looking at these first five verses, Jesus used a a figure of speech, John calls it. It was a symbolic statement. He tells an allegory. So we need to look at these next verses that we're going to look at this morning, just verses 7, 8, and 9. We need to look at these next verses not merely as an explanation of the first five, but kind of as, a, as an expansion of the themes of the images that Jesus used. So specifically there in verses 7, 8, and 9, we learn more about the door itself, or some versions, what you might have in front of you might say the gate. Later in the chapter, verses 11 to 18, we're going to learn a great deal about that shepherd when he makes that famous statement, I am the good shepherd. And then later, after some division and some conflict there in the middle of the chapter, Jesus will expand his teaching about his own sheep, about the people of God. That's really down in verses 26 to 30. And all of these themes, uh, the door, the shepherd, the sheep, Jesus uses these terms throughout this section, throughout this teaching here, but he's really going to elaborate on them as the chapter unfolds. And so as we turn our attention this morning to his statement, I am the door, I need to point out that in in the previous section, in those first five verses, when Jesus initially tells this kind of allegory, this figure of speech, the door plays a really minor role. This is a surprising turn here in verse 7 to Jesus' teaching. I am the door. We can readily understand that in the allegory, the sheep are people. We get that. Even God's people, as we saw last week. That truth, the truth that God's people, he refers to them as sheep all throughout the Old Testament and the New. Um, Probably Psalm 23 is the most prominent example in our minds when he says the Lord is my shepherd, the idea is then we are his sheep. We might expect Jesus to elaborate a little bit more on the role of the the gatekeeper that he spoke of in those first verses, but he doesn't. 
Instead, he expands on the imagery of an inanimate object, the door. See, in those opening verses, the door doesn't seem to have any kind of central role. It's, it's a thing. It's just a, a noun in a sentence or two. And it's not a, a living, breathing being like the rest of the characters in that allegory. The, the thieves, the robbers, the strangers, the shepherd, the sheep. While all of our attention is on those people, those things, Jesus proclaims, I am the door. Kind of as a little bit of an aside. Um, but as he draws our attention to something so kind of minor in the story, and it's obviously not minor, but it looks that way as, at first. As he draws our attention to that, it should really clarify something for us. All Christian truth, or, or we, we could even say all general and specific revelation, finds its ultimate meaning in the person and work of Jesus Christ. As regular people... We so often find ourselves in conversations um, talking about news events. Um, We will find ourselves, no doubt, talking about something related to current events this afternoon over family dinner. Something will happen. We will talk about something in the news. We might talk about our personal struggles or problems. We might talk about our successes and joys. But as Christians... We should remember that we have these discussions from a Christian point of view. After all, Romans 11.36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. See, Christ is at the center of all. He's at the center of this allegory, this imagery here. Christ is the door of the sheepfold, that place in which God's people do dwell. And the only way uh, to enter is through the door. So for now, at this point in in history, uh, one day, uh, this is the church right now. God's people are the church. One day, uh, this will be the new heavens and the new earth when God's people will gather in that new creation with him. One day this will be what is called the true promised land, the land in which God has promised to dwell with his people as their God. And and you will be my people and I will be your God, he says. And the only way to enter into that promised land, that new heavens and the new earth, into God's people is through the door. Now you may have noticed that this is Easter Sunday. Probably noticed that. Um... We're not really putting on a big production. Uh, That's not our style. This is pretty much what we do every week. And the reason for this is that we hold fast to what we call the ordinary means of grace, those common, regular, ordinary ways in which God nurtures our faith. So specifically, we're talking about the proclamation of the word. We talk about communion and baptism, the ordinances of Christ's church and, and prayer. And as we approach the waters of baptism this morning, there'll be a baptism at the end here. As we approach these waters this morning, as you hear and see two people get in and come out of the water, we need to remember something. We cannot enter into the sheepfold of God's people even through the water 
That, that's not how you get in. The water of baptism is not the door. See, according to Scripture, baptism follows repentance. Jesus tells us, or Mark writes for us in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, that Jesus' primary message, the main point of everything that he taught, was this, repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Paul clearly defines for us, kind of very succinctly, what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Then he says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here's, Here's the gospel. He says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's the good news. That's the good news. Especially the part that says, for our sins. Because the wages of sin is death. And Christ Jesus took those wages upon Himself and triumphed over sin and death by raising on the third day. And so as far as the Bible is concerned, baptism follows repentance and belief. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when we get into that water, that's simply obedience to Christ. Going down into the water and coming back up out of the water is a public statement that you have been immersed, baptized into Christ. That you have gone through the door. The water's not the door. Jesus is the door. Our our old friend Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, unless they come to Christ by true faith, they are nothing better than baptized pagans. They're still just sprinkled heathen. Why, you might hold a man in an everlasting shower, but you could not thereby make him a member of Christ. Or you might drag him through the Atlantic Ocean, and if he survives the immersion, yet he would still not be one jot the better. Probably he'd be worse. The door is not baptism. Christ is the door. The door is Christ. If you believe in Christ, you're a part of his church if your trust is stayed upon Christ, as the old saying is, if your trust is stayed upon Christ, who is the great way of salvation, then you have evidence that you were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. And that faith of yours, that trust in Him, that entitles you to all the, all the privileges which Christ has promised in His Word to believers. But I also want to point out that not only can you not get into the sheepfold by water, you must go through the door, you can't get into the sheepfold by birthright. You aren't born there. You're not born in the pen. I need to emphasize here that it is a great privilege and a great blessing to have Christian parents. Follow me here. I hope that all of the the kids here understand this. Uh, if, you didn't, if you were not able to, because of age, vote in the last election, or if, if you're coloring and not really paying attention to what I'm saying, 
I hope that you understand that it is a great privilege and blessing to have Christian parents. I hope you understand that. But even the most pious, godly, holy example, the most godly, uh, training, loving mother and father, they cannot ensure your conversion to Christ. And without conversion, without being born again, Jesus tells Nicodemus, without that conversion, you cannot enter into the sheepfold. You've got to go in through the door. And that door is Christ. Here's how Jesus put it. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To be one of God's people, to be a sheep in God's sheepfold, the essential thing is that simple dependence upon Jesus Christ as you turn your burdens over to him. And let me just say that there are many thieves and robbers out there who will tell you things like there are many ways to receive forgiveness of sins. There are many different ways to receive a right standing with God or eternal life or sometimes they might call it something like enlightenment or some kind of peace. But don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Verse 8 says that. Listen to the one who promises these three things here in verse 9. Listen, just listen to verse 9 again. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and will find pasture. He will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. These are the privileges of entering through Jesus Christ, through the door. The first is this. He shall be saved, Jesus says. Now, John the Apostle, kind of surprisingly, John hardly ever uses this term saved. Uh, even, even though it's very familiar to us as Christians, we often think in terms of saved or unsaved, or we, we use the word salvation all of the time. But the question really is that we have to wrestle with, and even that we have to look at here is saved from what? Saved from what? Well, the answer lies, actually, I think the answer lies in the only other two places John uses this term in his gospel account, in the gospel according to John. The only other two places he uses this term in this book, one is in John 3, verses 16, 17, and 18. You're familiar with 16. I always have to quote it in the King James. That's what's in my blood. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Those are Jesus' words. Saved from perishing he says, saved from condemnation. He says, whoever does not believe is condemned already, destined to perish. They are a sheep wandering in the desert wasteland of his own sin. And then later he will use this term again in John chapter 12. 
Beginning in verse 44, we read this. Jesus cries out and says, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come into the world to judge, but to save the world. The one who rejects me does not receive my words has a a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy very succinctly. He takes those words of Christ and he says in 1 Timothy that, that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he tells us in Romans chapter 5 verses 9 and 10 that he saves us from the wrath of God. Saves us from the wrath of God. Romans 5, 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. If we enter by the door of Christ, he saves us from the wrath of God. People don't like that kind of hellfire and brimstone language anymore. We don't like to use that. But the Bible tells us that this is a reality to come. The book of Revelation tells us, using apocalyptic language, end of the world language, literally, The book of Revelation says, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on its forehead or on its hand, thereby rejecting Christ, he uh, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, that he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Saved is saved from that. Again, we are told of his wrath toward those who reject the door. That that wrath is great in Revelation chapter 6. Just listen to this. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling on the mountains of rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand it? I am the door, Jesus said. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Beloved, these are not, these are not the only benefits to salvation. Sometimes we think they are the only benefits or that people believe that Christians believe that this is the only benefit saved from the wrath of God, saved from hell. They're not the only benefits to salvation, but this is a huge benefit. We need to acknowledge that. We need to not forget that. This is a huge benefit. If you are a Christian, you need to praise God that you've been saved from the wrath to come. But the second benefit of entering the door Uh, The sheepfold by the door 
the second benefit of entering the door of Christ is that he will go in and out, Jesus says. Now we have to remember that he's still using imagery here. This is a, a kind of a, a metaphor. And, and we understand that the, the sheep are not always just locked in the pen. So we have to think of this in terms of a shepherd caring for his sheep. They are safe. They follow his leading. They're able to go in and out of the pen as the shepherd wills. Think of this as kind of a different type of metaphor. Gathering and scattering. So as a church, we gather together every Sunday. We gather together every Sunday, every Sunday morning for the ordinary means of grace. We gather together every Sunday to sing together, to encourage one another, to, to read God's word, to hear God's word proclaimed, to pray together as a church. We gather together to encourage one another, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to, to rejoice together. The man who believes in Christ... The person who trusts in Christ, who has entered through the door, shall go into that rest and peace, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're able to come in here and rest on the Lord's day, knowing that it is finished, knowing that he has done it. He shall go in, again, as Spurgeon says, it's, he says he shall go into secret knowledge. He shall become a scholar and shall be taught by Christ as a rabbi. He will speak to him in his word, he's saying. He shall go in unto God with holy boldness in prayer. That temple veil was torn. And now we may boldly approach the throne of grace, the holy of holies. He shall go in unto that which is within the veil, speak to God from before the mercy seat. Boldly approaching that throne of grace. He shall go in unto a, the child's place and sh shall stand as an adopted heir of heaven. He shall go in unto close communion with God and call him Father. And look face to face and speak with your maker. You'll be like Mephibosheth dining at the table of the king. I'm not even going to tell you who Mephibosheth is if you don't know, but it's a great story. The Lord shall lift up the light of his countenance upon you. You'll go into the highest attainment of spiritual things. Go into the treasure house of the covenant and say, all of this is mine. All of these things are mine. You go into the storehouse of the promises of God and, and you can take whatever your soul needs and God will fill you up and God will keep you and you are his. This is why David sang in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because it's not a cold, stuffy temple. You're able to go into the very presence of God through the veil, climb up into his lap and cry, Abba, Father. When we gather each Lord's Day, we do these things together. 
But then we also scatter from here on Sunday afternoons. We go back to our ordinary lives and our ordinary families and our ordinary jobs. But we are still in his sheepfold. We're still his church. And when we scatter, we take the word of God with us. And we are called to live as, as lights in a dark world. We're called to live as, as his witnesses. We are called to go and make disciples. We act as those witnesses proclaiming the gospel to those that we come into contact with to the ends of the earth. And then that last privilege there at the end of verse 9. Not only are we saved, not only are we able to go in and out with confidence knowing that Christ goes before us, but that last privilege is you shall find pasture. This is the daily life of the church. This is why the church is of vital importance to us. As we go in and out and find pasture, this is why being a part of the body of Christ is so important. This is why Jesus even calls the church his bride, because he loves the church, gave himself up for her. And so when you come in through the door... When you come in through Christ, that is looking to Christ, looking for Christ, desiring not to, even, even when you walk in here, not to hear me, but when you walk, or any other preacher, but we come in to hear Christ. We approach his word to hear Christ, not to hear the word of any man, but the word of God as food for our souls. Filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit in his pasture, safe, because we have a good shepherd, which we're going to look at in a couple of weeks. The sheep need pasture. No other food will do. Your soul needs the truth of God's word. And if you come into the house of the Lord, as David sang in Psalm 122, if you come into the house of the Lord through Christ, you're going to get that word. You're going to get the word of God. If you turn to the Bible through Christ to understand who Christ is, you're going to find a rich storehouse, as they say, of who God is. And so if you come to the door of Christ, you will find comfort. You will find safety. You will find security. You will find pasture. You will find salvation. If you come through the door of Christ, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This is God's word. Pray with me. Father, as we read of these things, as we hear of these things, the truth of who you are, the joy of knowing that Christ is the door, the entrance into the kingdom of God, the entrance into the family of God, the entrance into the church, into your bride. Lord, we read these things and we can do nothing but rejoice. We rejoice this uh, Resurrection Sunday. We rejoice this Lord's Day. We rejoice as we sing songs to you, Lord. We rejoice as we see and hear the waters of baptism, as we see those who have made a public profession of faith trusting in you. Oh, Father, we pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and our minds, that we might honor you, knowing that 
Jesus is the door, the way in, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Father, we thank you for saving us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.